Hello, my name is Chloe Lim, and I'm a fourth-year medical student at UBC. Welcome to the Learn Oncology podcast series. This podcast is produced alongside Dr. Paris Engeldu, a radiation oncologist at BC Cancer Agency. The goal of this podcast is to familiarize with the pertinent topics and core concepts in oncology and radiation oncology. Today, we will discuss superior vena cava syndrome, which is one of the oncology emergencies. We hope you find this topic interesting and helpful. Special thank you to Dr. Ingledew for reviewing this podcast. Here are our objectives for today. Number one, basic anatomy of the superior vena cava. Number two, pathophysiology of superior vena cava syndrome. Number three, clinical signs and symptoms of superior vena cava syndrome. Number four, investigations and alternate diagnoses. Number five, basic management of SVC syndrome. Let's start with the relevant case. You are a fourth year medical student working in the oncology clinic. Mrs. V is a 52-year-old female who was treated surgically for an early lung cancer two years ago. She hasn't been diligent for follow-up for the last few years. She presents to the clinic with new onset of shortness of breath. She is currently stable with intact ABCs. What is your next step? Basic anatomy of superior vena cava. Before diving in deeper, let's review the anatomy of the superior vena cava. Superior vena cava, or SVC, is a vein located in the superior mediastinum. It drains deoxygenated blood from the right and left brachiocephalic vein. The SVC further drains to the right atrium of the heart. The SVC drains blood from head, neck, upper extremities, as well as upper thorax. Now that we have a basic understanding of the SVC, let's learn about the pathophysiology of the SVC syndrome. Pathophys of SVC syndrome. So, what is an SVC syndrome? SVC syndrome is caused by obstruction of blood flow through the SVC and considered often a medical emergency or urgency. How does the SVC syndrome happen, you might ask? Well, there are three different ways this can happen. Number one, thrombosis or internal blockage of SVC. Number two, invasion of cancer into the SVC. And finally, extrinsic pressure via anatomical pressure from nearby structures of SVC. The blockage of SVC via these three mechanisms will consequently cause collateral veins to form to return blood back to the right atrium of the heart. But there is a limit to the collateral veins to support the blood flow back into the heart. When obstruction trumps the collateral veins, then clinical symptoms of SVC syndrome will arise. This also may happen early if the obstruction of SVC happens rather quickly, for example, a thrombus. Otherwise, this is an insidious process and can be silent for a while before being diagnosed by a physician. Etiology of SVC syndrome. Let's get back to the case. You delve into Mrs. V's history of her shortness of breath. 
She first noticed when she was having trouble running her usual morning walks a few weeks ago. Since then, her shortness of breath has worsened to her having trouble with going up the, to the third floor of her house. On review of systems, she denies any other symptoms such as neurological symptoms, chest pain, dysphagia, cough, nor hoarseness. Now you may be wondering, how worried do we have to be about SV syndrome with cancer patients? Well, let's take a look at the incidence and its etiology. The etiology of SBC syndrome can be divided into benign versus malignant causes. Malignant processes compose 60 to 80% of SBC syndrome. The top three malignant processes that can lead to SBC syndrome are number one, small cell lung cancer, number two, non-small cell lung cancer, and number three, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. In fact, 2 to 4% of lung cancer patients develop SVC syndrome at some point. Small cell lung cancer patients are at the highest risk due to its rapid growth. Other malignancies to consider SVC syndrome are the following. Germ cell tumors, thyroid cancers, and metastatic disease. Easy way to remember these malignancies is to think about the location of SVC and the tumors that could form around the superior mediastinum. Let's think about benign causes, which comprises of 15 to 40% of the SVC syndrome causes. These include thrombosis of SVC, which leads to internal blockage of SVC. Another way is external pressure from the goiter or swelling of the neck from enlarged thyroid gland, fibrosing mediastinitis, aortic aneurysm, retrosternal thyroid, and histoplasmosis or fungal infection of the lung. Due to non-small cell cancer being more of the common types of cancer that can cause SBC syndrome, you are worried about Mrs. B. Signs and symptoms of SBC syndrome. You continue with the full respiratory and cardiac exam. The physical exam reveals a decreased breath sound on left lower lobe with venous distension on her chest wall. You also notice some bilateral upper extremity edema pitting to mid radius. You perform a screening neurological exam, which is normal. Before moving forward, let's discuss the clinical signs and symptoms of SVC syndrome. Keep in mind that these will differ depending on the degree of obstruction. An easy mnemonic to remember these symptoms are by the three Ds. These are number one, dyspnea, number two, distension, and number three, dilated chest wall veins. There are other symptoms such as neurological symptoms, hemodynamic symptoms, dysphagia, and cough. Let's first discuss neurological symptoms. This includes symptoms such as headache, neck pain or stiffness, nausea or vomiting, dizziness, visual deficits, or weakness. So basically any of the neurological symptoms. This mostly occurs because there is an insufficient blood return to the heart, leading to a backup of blood in the brain, which also can lead to cerebral edema. As mentioned above, chest pain and hemodynamic symptoms can also be a presenting symptom of SVC syndrome. This is due to poor cardiac output from the obstruction of SVC. Finally, patients can also present with symptoms such as dysphagia, cough, and hoarseness. Specifically, these symptoms are due to compression of adjacent structures such as esophagus, trachea, or the vagus nerve. Investigations and alternative diagnoses. 
From the history and physical exam, you report to the medical oncologist regarding your high suspicion for SVC syndrome. The oncologist agrees that there may be some SVC obstruction present and decides to send Mrs. V for an urgent CT chest to determine the degree of obstruction. What are the decision checkpoints to diagnose SVC syndrome? If you have recent imaging suggesting early SVC obstruction and involving clinical symptoms, no repeat imaging may be necessary. A clinical diagnosis is sufficient. However, if you suspect some degree of SVC obstruction or if the etiology is not clear, you will need to send the patient for a future investigation. It is good to think about various causes of SVC obstruction to guide your imaging. If a patient has history of previous malignancy, CT of the chest is warranted to look at the mass near SVC and to evaluate the amount of blockage. If patient doesn't have a malignancy, but has a history of intravascular device such as pacemakers, implantable cardioverter defibrillators, or vascular grafts, you should consider clot and a duplex ultrasound to further investigate. In some cases, chest x-ray may be appropriate first modality to look for SVC syndrome while waiting for another workup. Chest x-ray can identify lung masses, mediastinal widening, pleural effusion, or other causes of shortness of breath. What are the alternative diagnoses to SVC syndrome? Well, this includes other conditions that can cause obstruction of the heart's venous flow, such as cardiac tamponade or ventricular dysfunction. These conditions can be ruled out by the imaging modalities that we mentioned before. Lastly, management of SVC syndrome. The CT scan of Mrs. V comes back with infiltration of previously present lung cancer into the SVC. There are also collateral vessels that are visible. What are your next steps? SVC syndrome, as we mentioned, is an oncology urgency because it can lead to serious complications, such as cerebral edema and reduced cardiac output. First off, relieving symptoms is your priority. This depends on the severity of the symptoms. If the patient presents with severe symptoms, this warrants an urgent treatment. What does this mean? The treatment modality can involve either endovascular stent placement, radiotherapy, or corticosteroids to reduce inflammation. On the other hand, if patient presents with non-severe symptoms, histological diagnoses of the tumor can help to guide your next steps. Chemosensitive tumors such as lymphoma or small cell lung cancer can be treated with chemotherapy plus or minus radiation. Chemoinsensitive tumors such as non-small cell lung cancer and others can be treated with a stent or radiotherapy. Second steps would be to treat the primary tumor. Stay tuned for other podcasts to go over the mainstay treatment for respective malignancies. Prognosis of SVC is variable depending on the primary malignancies. Well, let's get back to our case. After a thorough discussion with Mrs. V, your preceptor puts in an urgent referral for radiation oncologists to help with their SVC obstruction. This is mostly due to its chemoinsensitive nature from the previous biopsy. In the meantime, your preceptor prescribes her an analgesics and corticosteroid to relieve symptoms. And that's it! Before you go about your day, let's review the main points. Number one, 
superior vena cava is a vein located in the anterior mediastinum, which drains into the right atrium of the heart. Number two. SVC syndrome is due to obstruction of SVC from either benign or malignant causes. This leads to a formation of collateral veins. When obstruction of SVC trumps the collateral veins, this leads to SVC syndrome's symptoms. Number three, clinical symptoms of SVC syndrome are the three Ds, dyspnea, distension, and dilated chest wall veins. Other symptoms include neurological presentation, chest pain, dysphagia, cough, and hoarseness. Number four, the mainstay investigation depends on the presentation and previous medical history of the patient. Number five, basic management of SVC includes stent placement, radiotherapy, or chemotherapy. Great job in following along. That's it for today's podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and we will provide more helpful episodes in the future. If you would like to learn more, check out our website at learnoncology.ca. We also have an Instagram page, also called learnoncology.ca. Please free to check it out. Thank you for listening.